Buenos dias, buenos dias, buenos dias. Welcome to today's Mayito Minute. Today, I'm going to talk about competing. Competition. I'm going to get right to the point. Uh, I came from a running background and I know a lot of running history. Uh, I don't know the names of today other than the big guys, uh, but if you ask me about the runners back in the 90s and the early 2000s, I know a lot of those guys because I just read a lot of books and I was, well, I was a geek like I am with biking now. That's what I was with running. And um, got to, one guy comes to mind that I'm thinking about right now. This guy named Ron Clark, I believe he was Australian. And this guy was really good at breaking world records. I don't know how many he had during his career, but I know he had a few at least. And so when he decided that he was going to make a world record attempt, he would sometimes be successful. He would be able to run at that particular distance faster than anybody had ever done. And that's what Ron Clark was known for. But Something else that he was known for was that he doesn't have any medals at the Olympics or the World Championships. And those events generally tend to be characterized by they're they're not very fast. They tend to be a lot more tactical if you can think of the fact that there is a tactical nuance to, you know, running. And so the pace tends to be a little bit slower. Guys tend to be sizing themselves up a little bit more because all that matters during an Olympic or a world championship event is who wins, who gets second, who gets third, who are the guys that get to stand on the podium. And then there's everybody else. So Ron Clark known for running fast, but then in the championship events didn't come up with the goods ever. That doesn't mean that he was a bad athlete. He's obviously one of the best of his time in the running community at the distances that he competed in. But it does highlight something in what I want to get into for this podcast. There's a difference between just training and competing. And uh, I think that for the most part, many of us are pretty decent, if not really good, at the training part. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, you know, what is on your agenda for today? What's on your calendar? What's your workout? What do you, what do you need to do, right? And then plugging into that and then putting in that kind of work. But there comes a point when we're competing. There comes a point during a race, during a contest, because I'm not going to keep calling it a competition because I'm talking about competing and I don't want to use the word in the definition. There comes a point in a contest, a race, a test, where, you know what? Training, there, there's that's it. it. It won't get us any further. The physical preparation that we have done runs its course. And at that point, and listen, I, I want to go ahead and say this as well. If you're listening to this, this is not only for the fast people. 
This is not only for the strong people. This is not only for the people that do end up winning. This is for everybody. First place down to last place. Strongest down to weakest. Fastest down to slowest. All of us at some point during a test, during a contest, we're going to reach a point during a race where the training took us so far and then it's time to tap into something else. And that's something else that we have to tap into is the competitive side. That, that extra little bit. Now, it, it's even hard for me to get this out to you and explain it to you in this podcast because it's hard to define and it's hard to quantify. And that's what makes it interesting slash elusive slash mysterious is that I can track the training piece. I can look at that. As a matter of fact, many of us have, we drop our workouts, we upload them into different platforms and so on and so forth. If you have a coach that, you know, your coach looks at that data and we can look at and we can make some pretty strong uh, predictions. We can look at, you know, linear progression. We can do those kinds of things. But then once we get to that point, we cross over into something that we can't measure. We know it's there, but we can't measure it. And where does it come from? And we really don't know. And that's what makes, by the way, that's what makes my job as a mindset coach. To me, it makes it fascinating, interesting, uh, because I can't quantify it for you either. We can talk about it. I can ask good questions, which I'm, which I'm good at. That, that's what I do. I can try to flush some of this stuff out and we can, we can get there, but I, I don't have a set pattern and formula that I say that I would apply to every single athlete. It's different for everybody, myself included. But we, have, but we will ultimately get there. And when we get there... That's when all bets are off the table. That's where it really comes down to you tapping into a skill, by the way, that I feel that can be developed to get you that extra little bit that training was never going to get you. And here we have some fabulous examples that we can look at of folks that were able to channel this. And I'm thinking about a Tom Brady. I'm thinking about a Michael Jordan or, you know, rest in peace, a Kobe Bryant. I'm thinking about athletes that were true competitors that when you looked at them and they were tired and it looked like it was just there's just this extra little bit, you know, some people would call it magic that all of a sudden that athlete just was able to possess or they did possess it, but they were able to exercise it and use it. This is a skill, however, folks. So you're like, all right, that sounds awesome, Mario, but if you can't even explain it to me, then how do I get there? I have a pretty good idea of how we can get there. Here's how we get there. We take opportunities to kind of exhaust the training piece of things and move into that unknown realm 
where we know that the training wasn't going to get us there anyways, and then we have to kick in this competitive advantage or this competitive edge or skill or whatever you want to call it during our training. You see, the, the, the problem is it can't just be a switch that's reserved only for the race, only for the test, only for the contest. It actually has to be something that we are working on and being intentional about during our training. But if training is called just that, training, a lot of times our training happens in, you know, semi-controlled environments. And what I mean by that, for example, for me as a cyclist, what I mean by that is there are certain parameters and there are certain numbers that I that my coach puts forth for me to hit on a particular training session based on the data, based on numbers, based on some sense of predictability. But if we want to sharpen this competitive skill, if we want to develop it so that we can call upon it when the time comes during a race, during a contest, then during our training, Every once in a while, and this is where it gets interesting because everybody's different and I don't recommend doing this every single day because then if you have a coach like me, your coach would start to say, hey, why are you going off the rails every single day? But every once in a while, we should go, oh, okay, I'm being asked for today to do this, but I'm actually going to do that extra It's not scripted. I'm going off the reservation here because it's going to force me to tap into that extra bit of, again, whatever you want to call it, determination, grit, competitiveness that my training was not going to prepare me adequately for regardless. And then you're running on that. It's almost as if you're running on, you know, you've burnt all the gasoline in the tank and now you're running on the fumes and you know you're running on the fumes, but you're okay with that. At first, it might be, it might be a little bit scary. It might be a, oh man, I wonder when I'm going to run out of gas here. Like when, well, I'm already out of gas. I'm on the fumes. I wonder when the fumes are going to just disappear and we're done. The car stalls. I'm finished. So there's this sense of fear that comes in when we first begin to do this because now a chart and a graph and our coach and anybody else and even ourselves, we can't tell ourselves, we can't say to ourselves, well, you've got five minutes left going at this pace or, oh, you know, this is going to end here or, oh, you better watch out and back off. I mean, we're in uncharted territory. I mean, we are in unexplored land here and we're just aimlessly walking around wondering what we're going to run into or not run into. But you see, I've done several podcast episodes now on fear and the way that that operates and the way that we can begin to get over fear and it's through familiarity. So when we begin to run on fumes and we do that with some kind of regularity. Again, I'm not telling you to do this every single day. You've got to be kind of smart and prudent about when you choose to do it. But if we do this more 
on a regular basis, then all of a sudden we become familiar with running on fumes and we don't fear it as much. Now the car might stall. Like, like you, uh, you're the car. Like we may hit the wall and some days it's going to be like, boom, as soon as we try to do this, we get stopped stone cold. And sometimes maybe we're able to go a little bit further. Again, it's unpredictable, isn't it, folks? It, it's not meant to be calculated. That's the whole point. Because when we take this into our races, tests, our contests, here's what I know about competitiveness. I know that if you're giving your full best effort and you've done a certain level of training, at some point in a competition, you're going to find yourself around people that are more or less evenly matched to you and your abilities, barring you're sick or an injury or something like that, right? So running's kind of running's kind of easy. Let me just take it to running because, okay, so we're, we're running a, you know, marathon and you've trained charts and graphs to be able to run this marathon at seven minute pace. So you go about your training and you are a seven minute pace person. And so you begin to work that out based on charts and graphs and predictability and you're there. Well, as you're doing this, you're going to find yourself around people that have been on a training plan that has predicted them to also be able to run seven minutes and therefore, you're in that kind of company. But at some point during that competition, during that race, during that marathon, all of you around each other are going to find yourselves in some sense of or some you know, form of discomfort. Some form of, okay, this is good, but this is, you know, because the seven minute pace, by the way, should be, it should be a goal that is a little bit of a stretch, right? It should be something that even though it's predictable, it's not going to be easy for you to do. You're not going to feel like you're jogging. You're going to feel like you're, you're actually competing. You're actually racing. Um, if that's what you're choosing to do. And so at some point, and this happens at different times for everybody, by the way, it may happen for somebody very early on at mile five. And for somebody else, it may happen at mile 18. I mean, I can't say when it will happen, but at some point I know inevitably it's going to happen. And that's where, uh uh-oh, training gas tank seems to be empty. And now we're on the fumes part. Now we're on the competition part. Now we're on the part where we are in the uncharted territory It said seven minute pace, but you know what? Seven minute pace is starting to feel a little bit daunting to me. So now I've got to compete. Compete for what? Well, compete to keep maybe seven minute pace, perhaps. Sometimes it's, okay, now I'm going to start to compete because I feel like I can go faster than seven minute pace. And so I'm going to compete to actually pick up the pace and step it up a gear. But either way, it's good for us to work this out because we're going to need it. We're going to need it. And, you know, when you watch, uh, obviously the ones that get the attention are, you know, the guys at the front of the race. When you watch those guys doing this thing, their, you know, last little bit of a competition most of the time comes down to who was the better competitor on that day. On that day, 
Who was the better competitor? Who was, you know, um, able to, to run on fumes better than the other guy? And that's generally the person that tends to come out victorious in that contest. So it's something we should pay attention to. It's something we need, that we need to work out, which means that we need to get out of and not be so safe with the predictability models and the gadgets and the tools and toys and nice things, by the way, scientific things, all those things that we have nowadays, we need to step out from those every once in a while and just say, you know what, just get, get out of that stuff. Don't worry about what that stuff says. Just go out and just compete and just get on, go on fumes and see how long you can go. And folks, when we start to do that, we, we all of a sudden raise our limits. We all of a sudden realize, man, interesting. I, I didn't think that, like science couldn't predict that. Well, science can't predict it because there's a human element to us. Obviously, we're humans. And science will never be able to predict that, by the way, ever. There's a human side to us. And that human side has that trump card, the competition card, the, hey, you didn't see this coming, but I really want this bad card, the grit card, the determination card that can't be measured by a chart and a graph and a a workout that you upload to some platform. And that's exciting news, by the way, because when it comes down to it, and we start looking around at any level that you compete at, by the way, you start to notice that there's a bunch of different people coming from a bunch of different places, but yet we all can run the same pace or some people are faster or slower. And it begins to actually not make sense, the science part of it, because we begin to see guys that should be faster, but they're on my level, they should be faster than me on paper or guys that should be slower than me, but they're way faster than me on paper. And what do we attribute that to? We can attribute that to this skill of competitiveness. All right, there it is. I'm going to go ahead and drop the mic and leave it there. I'd love to hear what you guys think about this or where you are on your journey towards being competitive, or what are your reservations on competitiveness? Have you been historically, have you been a good competitor, or historically have you not been that good of a competitor? And I'll tell you what, be encouraged because it's a skill. If you think you're good at it, I will encourage you that you can get better at it. If you feel that you have not been good at it, I will encourage you and tell you that you can get better at it. Uh, but as with all skills, I will tell you that it is a skill that will erode with time. If you don't use it, then you lose it. So I'm going to go ahead and plug myself, utmost performance, what I do for a living as a mindset coach. If you would like to become a better competitor, we can have some conversations and some discussions, and I feel that I will be a great resource for you to tap into to help you make headway and improve in that area with that particular skill of competitiveness. So you can shoot me an email, mario at utmostperformance.org. 
You can go check out the website, utmostperformance.info. And I would love to get the ball rolling on how we can get that party started and get you to be a better version of yourself. Folks, thank you so much for your time today. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Until next time.